0: soul if all this has been done by the Lord for us, why not for me in specific? please take your seats. Um, the, the leaders of music today you have made us breathless. You, you know there is a there is a reason why there is a, a stanza and the next stanza. surely uh, you have to pause between stanzas. I, I found that hard. I don't know whether that was the case with everyone. But, yes, I found myself breathless between stanzas. Uh, Kindly turn to Romans 5. Romans 5, uh, verse 15 to 17 is the passage from where I will preach this morning. I thought that uh, that free grace would be the best Christmas gift you can have this holiday. And uh, so I postponed my Isaiah, Isaiah 9 67 message. Uh, so kindly turn there. I am going to read verse 12 through 21. Romans 5 12 through 21. Please hear the word of God. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, For if many died and drew one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus uh, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of of that one man's sin for the judgment following one trespass through condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass lent to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leans to justification and life, For all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. For the law came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Let's turn to Him in prayer. Uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord, we call upon Your name asking for help in understanding the texts that You've set before us. We desire to hear Your voice. We desire to be taught things of heaven. And we pray, Lord, that by Your Spirit, You may give us faith, faith to believe in you more, to trust in you more, that you may increase our faith, that, Lord, you may refresh and replenish and strengthen our faith through the hearing of your word, that we may have hope. There are those in our midst and those far away who are hearing this message and they lack faith. They are not believers. If they were to stand before the judgment seat of Christ right now, O oh Lord, they would not come to you, to you. You would send them to hell. But one of the reasons why they are hearing this message now is that they may know Christ and trust in his name. So, may you help them then, Lord, to come, to draw near to you, to come to you and receive life and life abundantly. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Christmas is a time of gifts, is what people say. Even the business. Community catch on that bad wagon of Christmas as they promise various gifts to their shoppers and their clients. But the truth is that really, in as much as they call them free gifts, they are not gifts at all because they are conditional. They have a hook to them. As I prepared this message, I found myself writing the word free gift a few times. And as you will see from the division, the word free gift is repeated. But uh, Microsoft's word is not very happy with that. It seems it's grammatically incorrect because it's, it's not free gift. It is just gift. But actually, the Lord does recognize such a thing as free gift. And uh, we've read about it a few times from there in verse 15. But the free gift there in, uh, in, in verse 15 twice. And the free gift and verse 16. Free gift is there. They operate so the law does talk about free gifts, and business people too talk about free gifts. But there is a sense in which it's an unnecessary repetition because a gift, by definition, is free, so there is a strong emphasis here on these free gifts. Gift and, and so the message this morning is, in Christ, you have the free gift of God. These gifts that the business people give are not free because they are conditioned on you buying certain things that they want you to buy or spending a particular amount of money that they want you to spend. It's on that basis that they say you will get your free gift. Some of you may have, may have already received those free gifts already. Not so long ago, I think a week ago, I took my wife for shopping and uh, uh, buying, uh, was it Ariel or something, there was a free gift of a bucket. But then, the buckets ran out before she could get all the buckets for her three packets of aerial detergent. Uh, so you see, the free gifts by men can run out before you get yours. Now the point I'm making is that God's free gift is not like human free gifts. Free gifts by men are conditioned, and then they ran out, and all those problems that you get. They are conditioned on the availability of those gifts on their stock. That's not how God gives his free gifts. His gift is unconditional. His gift is full, and his gift is indeed Free. And it never is depleted. The passage before us tells us of gift of God's grace in Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. It gives a contrast between Adam and Christ. Do you remember last week I asked you the question, are you in Adam or are you in Christ? because you can't say none you can't say neither neither can you say both it's either or it's either Adam or Christ it's either you are in Adam which is your default mode or you are in Christ but your factory setting is being in Adam and whereas those who are in Adam For says with Adam the trespasses that are in Adam, those who are in Christ, their trespasses are paid for. So many die in Adam, uh, but those who are in Christ live. So whereas in Adam there is trespass in Christ. There is God's grace abounding for many. Whereas in Adam's trespass, uh, there is punishment. In Christ, there is life. Whereas in Adam, there is judgment, condemnation, and hell. But in Christ, there is justification, life, and heaven. Whereas in in Adam, death reigns, But there is abundance of grace and righteousness reigning in and through Christ. So the contrast between the first Adam and the last Adam is obvious. As death and life, as darkness and and daylight. So then notice these three things concerning the free gift of God. Number one. The free gift of God is unlike the trespass of Adam. Plus, verse 15. And then secondly, the free gift of God is by the grace of God. And finally, the free gift brought justification for many. So the first thing is that it's unlike, the free gift is unlike, the trespass of Adam. For we read, but the free gift is not like the trespass. Verse 15, part A. Paul introduces a contrast of the work of these two federal hands, Adam and Christ, and it's with that conjunction of contrast, but. Whereas in verse 12 through 14, Adam and Christ's similarity are the emphasis. Here, there is a, an emphasis, not of similarity, but of dissimilarity. And that's why it's introduced by the word, but, to contrast. So, the similarity between them is that an act of each as a determinative significance for those who belong to each if you belong to adam this is your case if you belong to christ this is your case but then whereas in christ is like in adam being both being our fender hands So he deals with Adam's trespass by giving us what he describes as a free gift. So what is this free gift? Because in Adam there is trespass, in Christ there is free gift. So what is it? Because you see, the similarity does not extend to the nature of the two acts of their consequences. So what is being contrasted? Uh, And you notice, let let me again give you very quickly the the structure of the passage. Each contrast, which is what we have here in verse 15 through 17, is introduced with, is not like. You notice that phrase there in verse 15. It's there again in verse 16. And the free gift is not like in verse 16 both 15 and 16, and then you notice that each of that phrase, is not like, is followed with a further explanation with the phrase, how much more? Now you need to be looking at your Bibles to see what I'm talking about. You you won't see it by just listening. You have to open your Bibles. So verse 15, is not like, and that is followed by another phrase of how much more, both in verse 15 and verse 16. We also notice that whereas verse 15 emphasizes the contrast of degree, verse 16 primarily emphasizes the, that contrast of consequence. What do I mean? So, trespass is versus grace and the free gift of that grace. And the emphasis is how they both abounded for many. But in verse 16, it is how they affected the many. and, And you see, it's about the consequence because verse 16 uses the word the resort of that one man's sin. What's the resort? The resort is the judgment because of that one trespass, bringing condemnation. That's a consequence. But then the free gift, on the other hand, what did it it bring? Justification. So, So the emphasis in verse 15 is on the level, or the degree, whereas the emphasis in verse 16 is the consequence. Then the the, the consequence of Adam's act is condemnation and death, but its contrast of Christ's work is righteousness and life and justification. And that helps us then to understand these two verses as we consider the structure. Now, in verse 16, verse B, I mean part B, we read that judgment followed one man's trespass, which brought condemnation, and undoubtedly Adam's sin, which consisted in his eating the forbidden fruit, brought death and misery upon him and his offspring upon us too. In verse 17a, we see that because of this one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. So what Adam did, both in degree and consequence, affected all men, and what Christ did, both in degree and consequence, brought an imaginable blessing of grace to those who are in him. It is shocking that so many choose to line up behind Adam. It's you not know, so much that they choose, it's that they are created that way, really. That's their default mode, as I say, that's their factory setting. But it's shocking, nonetheless, that anyone would want to line up behind Adam when there is Christ. When there is Christ hitting this queue, and you know in him there is life and righteousness, and then there is Adam, and people remain behind Adam. And and yet that's not what you see naturally. When you go to a queue, find that there are two queues. For an eight-year machine, and uh, you notice that that eight-year machine is not working, you still remain behind that line. That's a factory setting that men have. They they know that being behind Adam is not going to work for them, and they still remain there, doing nothing for their souls. I'm telling you, the, 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 the ATM machine is written, it's, not, uh, it's out of order, it's not working. And people still queue behind there. And you're told, this, this ATM machine has not been working for the last two years, oh, for the last 6,000 years. And you still remain there. And yet you're told that there is this other ATM machine. It's working. If you want to, if you want to deposit, if you want to withdraw, it's going to work for you. And you don't go on that queue. That's not what we do naturally, is it? But you see, sin are so blighted, men that they choose evil instead of good. They don't seek after God. And Paul has already said that in chapter three. No one seeks after God. No one does right no one is righteous. No one understands all have turned aside together. They've become wordless. This is madness. But it's a kind of madness. It's true of every unbeliever. Why do you line up behind Adam and you you prefer to have Adam as your fenderal hand when Christ Jesus could be your fenderal head too? why don't you queue behind Christ and be under his reign and reign with him and enjoy the wonderful blessings that are promised by him and given by him? So I ask you, again, are you in Adam or are you in Christ? Being in Christ is unlike being under the trespass of Adam. Secondly, the free gift is by the grace of God. It's getting better here. Paul concludes verse 15 this way, For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. The emphasis is the grace of God. What is the relationship between Adam's sin and its spiritual effect upon all the people, as already stated in verse 12? But here in verse 15, the emphasis is the free gift through this one man, Jesus Christ, it's the grace abounding for many. And the first part of the statement says that many died through. One man, one man, that is Adam's trespass. The many who died is not equal to the many who Christ's grace abounded. Verse 15. But those many who died corresponds to the all in verse 12. However, the many who have the grace of God means those who receive the gift of the righteousness of God. Or verse 17. So following through the argument will show this. But sadly, and even tragically, not everyone receives the gift of God. And so Paul writes about those who receive the abundance of the grace and the free gift of righteousness through this one man, Jesus Christ our Lord. The verse says that as a result. Of one man's trespass, many died, but in contrast, those who are in Christ, even with their multitude of sins committed earlier on, when they received this gift of the grace of life, of the grace of God, even though they were destined to death, their sins are atoned for in Christ. This reality is described both as the grace of God and it's also described as the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ. And you realize that free gift and grace mean the same. And yet they are used here for you to see the kind of wealth, of generosity and kindness that God is giving you. To believe in Jesus Christ. So we ask them, what is the grace of God? This grace is the divine favor which he graciously, kindly, generously shows upon unmeriting unbelievers and sinners to give them his son to be their savior. So God's grace includes all his pardoning mercy, all his redeeming love upon sinners who otherwise deserve divine judgment, sinners who deserve condemnation, sinners who deserve his wrath, sinners who deserve eternal death, are wonderfully, graciously, generously by God's own goodness given all these blessings and not for a uh, for a period but forever when such a precious gift is given and given by such a person such a great person the creator of the universe and given so liberally and given so eternally without any condition why would you delay in taking it? Why would you hesitate to take it? It is one thing if a gift is given by a stranger. It's another thing if this gift is given by God. When it's given by God, you know he has it and he's willing to give it who in his right mind would refuse what the Lord gives God? So when such a gift is offered, why would you say, "Let, let me think about it. Let me consider this. Let me understand this. Why would you be talking in those terms? And then finally, the free gift brought justification for many. What is this free gift that God gives? It is the gift of justification by faith in Christ. So we read verse 16, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. First of all, notice that it follows... Many trespasses. And any unbeliever would admit that they have committed many sins, many trespasses. But when this free gift of God in his grace is given, it clears all the records of sin upon you. It makes white as snow. This is the grace that takes all of your sins and dumps your sins into the depth of the ocean so that as far as the east is to the west, your sins are removed by the Lord. And he says, I remember them no more. Instead of condemnation, it brought acquittal by the divine judgment of God, and we are declared righteous on the account of Christ's work. Since Christ bore our sins on the tree, God cannot ask us to pay for them again. God does not require us to pay for it. Having declared us righteous on the account of Christ's righteousness, God cannot turn back from his own declaration of promise. God cannot renege. God cannot withhold what he has already given. So justification is a free gift of grace. And hence we say that justification is an act of God's free grace, wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. One of the texts that the the framers of the confession had in mind when they wrote that confession answer is Romans 5.17. That if you would be justified, then you would receive the abundance of grace And the free gift of righteousness reigns in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. The reign of righteousness is justification. And it only comes out of God's grace. I hope you're following. And I hope you're not finding this argument too theologically deep so that then you say, oh, I don't understand what he's talking about. I wish I could. No, I'm trying to explain it to you. So verse 17, that's why I need to insist that you need to have your Bible before you. This is, this is so precious. This is so rich. So verse 17 provides the ground of verse 16. And thus it begins with for. For if. See, this is the evidence that all are condemned through Adam and all who receive the abundance of grace are righteous through Christ. So the evidence of universal condemnation is the reign of death over all men because of Adam's sin. What I'm telling you is this. A day is coming when you will die. You will die. I will die too. That is the proof that you have sinned. Now, believers, Christians die too. But you don't realize that they actually don't die because they don't taste eternal death. They don't die in condemnation. They die having had the righteousness of Christ already given to them. See, the evidence of the gift of righteousness is the reign in life, is what the Bible says here, which comes through Jesus Christ. Commenting on this verse, Tom Schreiner says, Adam was intended to rule the world for God. But by virtue of his sin, both he and all his descendants were alienated from God. And instead of Adam ruling the world, death ruled over him. It must be noted that all those who are justified by God's free grace shall suddenly reign in life. Because what did Christ do in raising from the dead on that third day? that he killed death by his death. And, and this rain in life is not just eschatological reign. This is not something that would happen in the future when Christ will fold up the universe like a scroll. It is at present too So it's both now and in the future. And and this is what the the gospel makes very clear. And this is why the gospel is so sweet. You see, those who are in Christ, the Bible says, walk in the newness of life. That's what Paul will say later in chapter 6, verse 4. They walk in the newness of life. And as soon as we who are dead in our trespasses and sins are made alive and thus saved in Christ, what does the Bible say in Ephesians 2? We are raised up and seated, uh, and he seated us with Christ. Where? In the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. It is clear then that we reign in life now it must not be missed that we shall be uh, we shall more fully reign with Christ at the consummation but even right now sin shall not have dominion over us so those who take jesus christ as their savior are given a new position what are they what do they become For as many as received him, those who believed in his name, what right they get to become children of God. Those who are children of wrath became children of God. Their status, their position has been wonderfully changed. Think about that. A criminal is dragged into court by the police. And the judge in Her Majesty or in His Majesty is seated right there. And the accused person is put on the dock. And the judge, out of his grace, not only pays the fine to to secure his burden and his freedom, but he also signs the papers to have the accused as his son. And he gives him a position to sit right next to him in judgment. so he reigns with the judge let me clear one false teaching on this text For those who take the argument on this text as follows since we are all condemned in Adam and Christ reversed the fall of Adam thus all are saved without exception. Meaning each and everyone is saved. But you don't need to do anything at all. You don't need to come to Christ. You don't need to believe in Christ. You don't need to repent of your sins. Everyone is by virtue of Christ's death saved universally. Now, that doctrine is called universalism. it's called universalism so does this passage teach universalism no the two communities of people relate to adam and christ differently whereas we are related to adam by physical birth we are only related to christ by the second birth The new birth, which is divinely given. So, while all, without exception, die in Adam, yet, those who are elect are chosen out of those who die in Adam, and they were chosen before time began, and those who believe are saved and given Righteousness in Christ, those and no one else. In any case, Romans 5.17 is clear that only those who receive the abundance of grace are the ones who are saved. And that's why when we read the Bible, we need to look at the context and look at every single phrase and not impose our own minds on the text. I also need to point out, secondly, that the context here is very clear that justification is by faith alone. If there is no faith, then there is no justification. There is no salvation. This means that not all universally are justified. One has to believe. If all were justified with or without faith, then faith would be rendered useless. Again. If there would be universal justification, to whom will the wrath of God be poured? We, are, we know from the scriptures that hell will not be vacant. And Paul has already stated so clearly that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their unrighteousness oppress the truth in Romans 1 verse 18. So, it's not all without exception. it's only those who are in Christ who are saved by Christ's sacrifice. Amen? So I've said three things. Free gift is unlike the trespass of Adam. I've also said that the free gift is by the grace of God. And I've said that the free gift brought justification not for all, but for many. It's not for... A few, it's not for none, it's not for all, it's for many. For Christ, for the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for, for many. Thankfully, it doesn't say he didn't give his life for any. He gave his life for many. And the difference is M. Now, let me then quickly apply this message before we leave. Number one, implication God's gift is irrevocable. What do I mean? If you believe in Christ today, and you truly do, if you sincerely believe in Christ today, and Christ saves you, you cannot lose your salvation. Because God's gift is irrevocable. If he has given you this free gift... He will not come back and say, well, I wish to recall all the gift given. You shall have the gift because he gave it to you. God does not take back what he has already given. Thus, all those who are truly saved by the grace of God are truly, fully, completely, absolutely saved. They cannot be unsaved. They cannot be condemned. If you're in Christ, you're in Christ because the Lord's work cannot be defeated. If you are a new creature, you cannot be anything less than a new creature. In Christ Jesus, O Lord, God's gift is irrevocable. Thus, those who are truly saved will remain in salvation to the end because the Lord will keep them. He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of our Lord. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Now, I'm not saying that a Christian cannot sin. I'm saying that he cannot lose his salvation. So that even if he were to sin, he will repent and he will be forgiven. And you all know that. You believers who are here, you know that. How How many times have we sinned against the Lord to our shame? It's not to our condemnation. The Lord does forgive us. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He forgives. And when we sin, we need to be apt to, forgive, to ask for forgiveness. God's gift is irrevocable. Secondly, in Christ the power of death is defeated. Adam's sin brought death. And it brought death to all of us. In other words, death reigned over us. But the grace of God which comes to us in Christ means that those who are justified reign over death. And so we can, we can scoff at death there in 1 Corinthians 15. We can laugh at death and say, <laughs> death. Uh, Where is your sting? Where is your victory? Because you see, death is swallowed up in victory. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54 and 55, 55. And 56 says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ. So what does this mean for you? First of all, it means that even though Christians die physically, but the real effect of death, that is eternal death, is not there. We must not fear death anymore since Christ died for us to kill death. Among those who believe in him this This week, I had the the privilege of um, praying, praying for one of us who was very sick very sick, I went to see him the day before yesterday in hospital in great pain. And he he thought that he was going to die. His close relatives thought that he was going to die. But this is what he told them. I am ready to go. Because of Christ and his power in me. Thankfully, the Lord has preserved his life. And uh, we thank God for that. But Christians don't fear death. We know that we shall die anyway. It may be an accident, as we will be left here saying, but it would be an accident before God. Your time for death will have come. The Lord tells us that we will find some wisdom in learning to number our days. Today that our days are short. When that time comes, if you are in Christ, there would be no fear of death. You would be... Scoffing at death because Christ Jesus has killed it for you. But if you're not in Christ, death is a terror. Death is a terror to unbelievers, they fear it. There is no hell for believers, there is no eternal death for believers. Death to us is the way to be with God in heaven. It's a way to be with the Lord in paradise. Today, the Lord says, you will be with me in paradise when you die. That same day when you die, you are with Christ in paradise. For to to be present in the body like I am right now is to be away from the Lord. It's to be away from Christ. And uh, to be absent from the body is to be with Christ, as Paul does say. Hallelujah, what a savior. And then thirdly, if one sin of Adam was so costly, if one sin of Adam was so, so costly, not just for Adam, but for all of us, why should we think that our multiple sinning is okay? Sometimes we fail to see the evil of one sin. And we say, well, it was only an exaggeration. No, it was a lie. We say it was only a lust, a lustful thought. No, that was adultery in the heart. I mean, we we find it casual saying, no, I hate that man. You know what you're saying? You're a mantra. Let's not reduce or minimize sin. Dear believer, you need to see your sins for what they are. You must not reduce or minimize the awfulness of your sins. Lust is as bad as adultery. Covetousness is as worse as idolatry. Presumption is as divination. Hate is as murder. I don't say it's only one sin. The effect of one sin of Adam has had far-reaching effect on all humanity throughout history. So I pray that the ray of God's holiness will expose every evil thought and that the word of God will expose every idle word and the glory of Christ will show the evil of your deeds. Because, as I said on Friday, a single lie will set a whole soul to hell as much as a single hole can sink a great ship. One unrepented lust is as bad as a whole bunch of them and the wages of sin, any sin, is death. Repent of it, mm. Can I finish by saying how much grace should flow when we see this great, great, amazing gift of God's grace in His Son? We we should forever be thankful when we see what God has done for us in His Son. Let's rise up to. Sing this song. What? Let me see the next stanza. He says, What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more. To show the, 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 uh, the magnificence of this gift, is that there is no more for heaven now to give because the only Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, has been given and now we should be able to say he is my joy, my righteousness and my freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace let's, let's sing this song to the Lord
1: what gift of grace is Jesus my redeemer there is no more for heaven and now to give he is my joy my righteousness and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this i hold my hope is only jesus For my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine, I can sing, all is mine. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken. For by my side, the Savior, he will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing. For in my need, his power is displayed. To this I hold. My shepherd will defend me, through the deepest valley he will lead. Oh, the night has been won, and I shall overcome, yet not I, but through Christ in me. No fate I dread, I know I am forgiven. The future sure, the price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon. And he was raised to overthrow the grave. To this I hold, my sin has been defeated. Jesus, now and ever is my plea. All the chains are released, I can sing. I am free, yet not I, but through Christ in me. With every breath I long to follow Jesus For he has said that he will bring me home And day by day I know he will renew me Until I stand with joy before the throne I hope, my hope is only Jesus, all the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. I hope my hope is only Jesus all the glory evermore to him when the race is complete still my lips shall repeat yet not I but through Christ in me
0: Lord, there are men and women, boys and girls in know, midst who cannot really sing that song that you've just sung and be speaking the truth because they are not yet Christians. They're not believers. Sin has not been defeated in their lives. Because they've not repented of it to Christ. The grave has not been conquered for them because Christ Jesus is not their Savior. They've not trusted in Him. But Lord, you're able to convict them of their sins even now. You're able to help them see that going away right now thinking that it shall be well with their souls is suicidal. So I pray, Lord, that you may walk in their hearts right now in your grace and give them this free gift of Jesus, our Redeemer. Pray, Lord, that uh, each one of us will be apt to repent of our sins and to call upon your name when you're near, and to seek to be guided of you and to be helped to see the openness of our sins and not to minimize them. Oh Lord, we pray. We pray that uh, in your mercy, you would visit each one of us and increase our faith and strengthen our faith for you, glory We pray this in Christ. Amen. May take some minutes and uh, think about the message before you go.